0: Hello, and welcome to episode eight of book three of the um, prequel, The Life Before the Alien Magic, titled The Birth of the Three. Let's begin. Pasco the elf was peering out from her hiding place, from the alcove behind Penshaw's bed. King Chase confided in her that he would keep her safe, hidden away shielded from the half-breeds that would take over Castle Wren, until which time he should find Pindar. Pasco slowly made her way from her hiding place and occupied the stone floor. The dead sat all around her. Queen Penshaw, King Pink, Lady Degar, taking turns, smoking the green herb with red berries, a merry poison, life budding on a shaft of death. They imparted profound memories on the brazen cloud that hung above them before conceding greater and greater defeat, each admitting his own soul lost, a price that cost entire worlds of persons. She shouted at them, at Queen Penshaw, and the other two. Death was peculiar to Pasco, but not as peculiar as life was. What a riddle life was, what torment she had witnessed. She had responded to, she reconciled herself to Castle Wren. Amidst the rebel were two graves, two mass graves. The sudden irreconcilable death of the firstborn burned like a star, a star millions of miles away. Yet one so close she felt the icy fingers of elven sibling death touching her heart. She could not help but think herself being born, between what was and what could be, and strangling a hundred elder elves, each one of them fragile and budding and bursting past the plane that would keep them buried. She was the she was the new world, as liberating and terrifying as that was. The others had returned to the first forest. Pascal began to weep. She was all alone, the last of the wholesome elves. Those that remained in the Abyssinian? These were beggars, these were lepers, things vile and defiled. Was there one pristine elf left? One to begin a new, unconvoluted line of pure blood elves? Or would she lie down with the human chase and create a race of hybrids hostile to King Socha and thereby end the last of the full bloods? Maybe she should kill herself. How did such an ugly thought enter her head? It was impossible for any elf to kill himself, that's what she'd heard. The pain would be too intense, a burning throughout eternity. That the thought of it had entered her mind, worse, that it was not as alien as thought should have been, troubled her. The elves may be changing, but it would not take many to become beasts and wisps of smoke To corrupt the minds and the souls intent on keeping elves as they had been, and as they must be. She feared she had already chosen suicide. Pascal started having dangerous thoughts, murderous thoughts. Maybe she should die. Certainly it was her obligation to drown each and every elf. Those her crimes made into fish, powerful and armored with impossible dreaming, would be confined to a small pond all the universe of possibilities isolated in that chilled silty clouded soup pasco trained her head pasco craned her head and looked out at the darkening sky past the blood-stained bed and the balcony past the fruit trees the branches heavy with chirping roosting birds a tinge of hope touched her heart it expanded keeping the deathly chill away. Slowly, Pascal turned back toward her hiding place and greeted the darkness. Quickly, her eyes adjusted, as if awakening. She saw a face, the white, pale flame of a face, the face of an elf, an elf fearless, an elf ecstatic, an elf smiling. Pascal smiled, but her smile quickly faded, for, despite the darkness, the Teen elf could make out the interloper's immediate actions, those that she did not those that she did that preceded her actions not of a saint, actions of a killer, the new burden of being an elf of pursuing life as an elf, of enduring in the Abyssin as an elf, who are you, Pasco had to know, Tell me you are here to replace me, for I fear I may be a God. The Elf that sat across from Pascal lowered her head, but could not stop smiling, flames dancing on her irises. We are the Elves' Hope, written into existence by a lone Elf who thought better of revenge. I will allow for the birth of the God-Killer. The crimes I have exacted, the murders I have allowed, this act, my last act, will be my redemption i see the stain in your persona who are you i have no name replied the teen that had materialized burning bright it has to be this way it does if my mission is to succeed and the elves to prevail we are shadows the two of us only you know i'm a killer only i know you see you for what you are yes i know your name pascal i am your sister your twin sister you have no soul as i have no soul but i stole mine the soul of one who searches hell endlessly for it praying for torment if he can only have the, his soul back too bad for the stain that now taints you that now taints it the crimes of an impostor is there any torment worse than falsehood You are a menace, as marked as a roiling flame. Why should I welcome you? You must be here to end my own life as well. The teen without a name said, I will tell you the name that I have chosen, as it will be remembered as a name without any clear ties to other elves and without any pedigree. As long as no one knows my name, no one can identify who I am tied to who assisted me, who risked their lives for me. My name, as you will remember it, is pale. You will offer that name, once the god had been slain and the elven flame restored, the name that belongs to the soul I stole. Perhaps that will make up for the grief and pain the owner has had to endure. I was like you, unknown, until just recently until I learned my obligation. To the elves, to the Abyssin, a phantom or a dream, one must be respected and feared. I am a fraud. The god, the god that will prevail, past the impostor. sees that in me. He sees something in you. He intends to use us both. Pale took Pasco's hand. The birth of the god-killer, the king of all elves, must be born of two. Of one... Pale nodded at Pasco, who is of the eldest bloodline, and one who represents the saplings, the future of elf kind. Yes, saplings must be reconciled to the surviving elves. Your husband's name you already know. Your husband is the hope of all the elves. Who is himself the first of the saplings? Pindar. It is if he is the hope of one elf then it is the hope of mine. Something sampling, something else. There you are, an elf through and through. For Pale's lie that he was a full-blood was being declared to every elf throughout the Abyssin as clearly as a trumpet blast. Pale slumped, as if wounded, against the wall. She reached for Pasco's arm and forcibly pulled her inside the alcove. There you have it. He is coming. He sees in me a bride, as he must sleep with all elven women, for fear of the one elf prophesied of, the elf born of pure blood, the king of all the elves. Pale acknowledged, He will come, the one who has attempted to slay the last of the firstborn elves, Rigger, the one that would rule over all the elves, and become god of the Abyssin. Pale confirmed, the god sees the fraud I am. I let him see it. He suspects I have a trick up my sleeve. And I do. He doesn't know you. Your soul had, had, Your soul was taken and done away with, buried and lost forever, long ago. The last elf that had any idea you existed died not twelve hours ago. You are cursed. I am sorry, for you will never know peace. All alone. An elf of a bloodline long extinguished, rooted out early on by the firstborn. No elf hears you, no elf sees you, to allow for this one moment. The hope of the surviving elves, once the firstborn are eradicated, the last hope of the elves. Otherwise, the god responsible for killing the firstborn will forever deny the rightful freedom of the last of the elves. The god arrived abruptly. He descended the stairs leading from the first forest and planted his bulk outside the royal bedchamber. Rigger threw the door open. He bellowed and crooned from his place inside the bedroom door. Go on and come out, he commanded authoritatively. There is no one who can save you, not here, and not from me. Come out. Pascal barked harshly. You have brought the god here. You have betrayed me. You have denied the hope of all elves. I love you, sister. You are my hope. For redemption, that's no lie. Pale slowly emerged from the closet behind Queen Penshaw's bed and waddled awkwardly toward the muscular brazen god. There's a flame to you, commented Rigger. I see something in you. A liar. You're not wholesome. Pale hid her face. She threw up a mask of fear which developed into one of shame such a liar but you cannot hide one thing from me i know the prophecy how the first king of the new realm of the elves would kill the one god do you think you can fool me is your son in hiding is your son hidden within rigor knelt by the opening to the hidden the hiding place and peered within pale acted fast my son is contained within "'What?' stirred Rigger, turning back. "'So that is what Algernon was hiding from me, "'the one threat to me. "'He is contained within. "'He had been hidden by the elves "'in anticipation of his murdering you. "'Why am I here? "'To deceive you. "'Unfortunately, I have not succeeded. "'I know the truth. "'Your son is contained deep within Mount Ish. "'He is shielded by several magic wielders there, as well as a sizable army of frightful horrors. There are a lot of people who fear that would happen. Should we come together? Not only elves fear it. Powerful kings and lords among half-elves, and men and dwarves do as well. Your son will die, and I will rule without any threat to my reign. I have sensed him, his soul, the soul of a king. I am surprised that the magic-wielders would throw their support behind this one elf. What deal he must have struck with them, I do wonder. At any rate, he'll be the last of the uncompromising elder elves, the last of those elves that inherited what the privileged firstborn lost. For I will approach Algernon of Mount Ish, and have your son slain. There is no denying this god. The god eyed pale suspiciously, Rigor's gown created crimson swaths as he navigated around the bodies of the three persons in the room, the last of the formidable body of elves, the last of the elves willing to fight for their place in the Abyssine, They will be defeated, all of them unwilling to advance their claim of eminence in this world are ambivalent to the charge of the others, of the half-elves, and of the saplings the full-blood elves fear this elf, when they should fear a god. They will unwittingly side with me. Once I am victorious, I will demand loyal troops from their number, cruel and loyal, to keep my saplings in check. Those that refuse me will be my slaves, or they will die. Rigor menacingly approached Pale and viciously sneered her and tossed her on the bed. Yes, The only way to circumvent prophecy is to manipulate the truth, but through a truth that is consistent with the wording, make it work for me. The prophecy says that the first in the line of kings among the elves will slay the one God. I will take command of the prophecy, so that it will be me who determines who is king of all elves and who is the one God. Then rigor began to remove his clothes. Evidence of his wealth and prestige gathered at his feet, like plucked treasures cluttering an eagles' airy. He smiled, looking for pain and shame, indulging himself, but careful to dodge her true self. She sensed he could not mistake in her the strength of character and fearlessness that she imparted upon her son inside Mount Ish. He deposited his immense bulk on top of pale. The female fought all the voices of the elder elves. She fought the compulsion to disappear into the first forest. She was close to losing herself, of seeping into the marble floor and ceasing to be. She had to focus on everything in her, that she was not elven, on her despicable crimes, on her self-loathing to keep her presence tangible. Yes, the god confirmed as he worked and writhed to slide his member into the crying wincing fighting female elf our son once he is born and comes of age will be a leader among the new line of elves of the saplings should he threaten my reign should he should you foul his character by imparting upon him something dreadful i will kill you in front of him then make him pay a worse price If you share anything with our son, share that dread of me. As for for your son inside Mount Ish, he will not survive long. He must not rival our son. He must not be my killer. There was no more pontificating, only silence. Once rigor had deposited his seed in the womb of pale, he stood up and recovered his office and assured his godhead once more. Pale, absently, absently clawed at her belly, wishing to grasp and crush the edgy ember that cut within her. There was only one hope, one last hope for the elves, and that was hidden some twenty feet away, Paschal, her son Pinder's bride. If only her son could escape cruel rigor and the high wizard Algernon. The god tested the placid waters that were her face, reading the shadowy creases, surveying the contours of her face. Rigor caught his bride eyeing the wall behind the nightstand. With a bite, he abandoned her, but he reacted as if he had consumed poison. His bulk challenged the door frame he stood within it appears you are like all the other elves that have perished thinking one's own actions are the actions of all the elves and they will preserve the elf nation it's not courage it's not hope it's foolishness you are alone that's okay just know that if you are if you will not compromise and step down from your pedestal and become something less than the peculiar elf, that you are one that lies to herself, and says she is the promise of the elves. You will earn the fate, that will befall all the other wholesome elves, throughout the Abyssene. The Abacene is no place for an elf like you, only dead elves. Rigor then, swaggered unwieldy, past the exit. The stink that was his presence, would not abate. The subtle poison of it, more To wound Castle Wren, it defeated the elves more than could all the soldier half breeds of King Socia. Recovering by leaps, pale hounded her somber disposition. She took on her clothes, she took on her elfness, the weight and light of it, she slinked for the floor. She slinked for the door, no sign of the repugnant god. Then she returned to the soiled bed and made the long journey if rushed and haphazard, back to reality. Pale knew what she had to do. Control her heart and her breathing to protect the full-blood elf Pascal, to shield Pindar, most of all to preserve the elven world Pindar's son would inherit. She would kill Rigger's child upon his birth. Further, she would hunt down all the other elf women impregnated by Rigger and slay their children. After all, he must have a small army of his own children, all of them adept at being gods, at being separate from the elves. Rigger's children were not elves, they were not saplings, they were impostors, they were lesser things. They would displace the elder elves, then the saplings. Should the elves survive, Rigger's children would need die, all of them the promise of a god's reign, as well as the annihilation of the Elf Nation. Pale spoke to her son, her son within Mount Ish, as only a mother could. Honestly, if pained and grieving, he confided in her that all was not lost. That he had powerful allies among the magic wielders, that he was confident that he was safe among the, from, that he was safe from the reach of rigor. There could be only one god killer, as there could be only one god. She would be strong, for her on board grandson, for the elves that were her legacy, her hope for redemption. Once she was assured, pale smile touched the royal bedroom like the sun could not. It invited the sun into her somber heart. It emboldened her. Could the sun rise on something new and alien? Hostile as it must be to all remaining elves that had been? She touched the outer panel with the palm of her hand. She didn't think she imagined that Pascal was communing with her spirit, doing the same thing, cultivating hope, recovering courage in her hiding place. The elf prawn was sitting at the post in the library, slumped wearily over his work, defeated, but he remained vigilant, mindful of what he did not write. Despite smelling of vomit and shit, his heart thrashed like a canvas drum in his chest. He took delight in that. He masked his smile, triumph. For all the elves was only an eloquent swipe of the pen away. Only he knew of the defeat of the elves throughout the First Forest and the Abyssene. Only he was trusted with the value and cost of victory. If victory was commonly consumed, it would be the elves' defeat. The one most costly the advance of well-placed words carrying on their spines, victory, a triumph so subtle and frail, it revealed itself like a hobbled cripple, but overtaking an impossible adversary. What are you doing there? barked someone from behind him. Prawn swiveled to see his provost, clawing the expanse of the sea, the provost, shining like a frail lantern, in his creaking chair, mastered every digging o'er and corralled every book the provost pain was refusing the words that contained the elven scribes the flame that was chasing down and turning the the truth as the scribes tirelessly must at their pace at their place at the table what's this i see do i witness a smile coming over your face prawn quickly dissolved becoming more benign than the situation demanded but he was desperate for the hope he marshaled i must apologize he stated flatly the spoken word for him was brutish and terrifying rivets being pounded into tin i was thinking of the sun peeking through the rain clouds you've been down here what 68 years no hounded prawn seeping like brackish water Feeling the empty shell he had always been, jumping at vital uttered words, fiery bronze coins, flopping goldfish. I've been here going on more than a hundred. Was that this lying? Had he always been lying? The provost spun like a bloated corpse in the indefatigable, complete darkness. More than a hundred years, and you were thinking of sunshine and rain? What if I told you... Those two things don't exist in the world anymore. What if I told you that the world is a desert, now and always? It is as what one of the scholars here will want. Then, do allow me this. Do allow me to write in some seeds, all so that the sun and the rain, even if I don't see them anymore, maybe bring these seeds to life his face feeding, overtaking the shadowy surface. The provost frowned. He abruptly chased a word or two down a rabbit hole. They found their alien meaning. They worked the digging noose. The provost slapped his palm with his rod. He defeated the ever-present silence, was about to say one thing, recovered, and chastised himself. He stained the blanket of shadows with swift fluid motion, then grumbled, get back to work. Prawn worked to suppress the smile. Once over an an empty page, he uncovered a new fabric of reality. He burrowed among the distinct, invincible embers, pushing a golden kernel with the edge of his pen. The overtaking, the salvation there, the possibilities. He looked at where he had stopped. A coin winking from beneath volcanic ash, the narrative he worked himself into, contorting and twisting amidst polished shell walls. The event? Neither future nor past nor now. Not yet. As he watched, the words he had written not fifteen minutes prior were beginning to slip away, like a breath or a heartbeat, becoming lost, slipping away, skulls of silvery fish flitting away. Prawn dipped his pen in the inkwell. He placed it on the pained, trembling, yelping page. He hunted the hungry, breathing, sweating animal. There he cornered one word, King. Immediately, it were as though the words were being driven together to a common destination, directed blindly, only down a slick gangplank fire and steel could not defeat this word it would take blood to purchase what the words themselves threatened to defend the propriety of that one word to serve under its rule to offer up themselves dully as sacrifice misfits and cowards and fools lost striking out blindly dogged by loyalty the word brash if empty a clanging symbol cruel in its indiscretion, stealing flesh with dull flashing knives and diffusing hope. Immediately a name appeared. All the the other words clamored and overtook each other, and the vehicles battered. The one word that he penned was rigor. Prawn was outraged. He was mystified. He was terrified. Despair entered as if from ever-present unforgiving eternity he knew what came to the world above the world lost to him with that name the graves of tens of thousands tens of thousands enslaved he looked at the one word rigor he began to weep as if awakened he fought with the pen he watched the pen he deserted the pen he imbibed the pen he took the pen and wrote Prawn then wrote down two other names, Pasco and Pinder. This was so right, he knew. He knew it was the truth, that it could not be denied. Had he written it himself? It was like a mountain range, hazy blue in the distance. Had it been written by a scribe that preceded him centuries before? No, every elf had written these same two names in separate moments of agony and private pain. Rigor may have been a god that threatened the eternal sublime first forest and the idyllic majestic Abacene, but Pasco and Pinder were his hope, a dream like no elf had immersed himself in, the color and fragrance, a destination the elves feared and dreaded, an elf's hope. He saw himself standing in the chilly rain, the ugly face of hope which elves refused till now of being willing to smile to articulate victory a difficult task for any elf to undertake that concludes episode 8 of um the title the birth of the three i uh, hope you enjoyed it and i shall have the next installment next week thank you and goodbye